Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan. That's Nate Geary. And this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F words. That's right, food and football. The third one is clearly flagrant fouls because there's a big play in game tonight in the NBA between the Cavs and the Hawks. So, would you call it big? No, see, literally, that's it. That's all I know. I, I couldn't even tell you three players who are actually on the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, no, Hawks. Atlanta Hawks. See, you because, were about to say Falcons, so right. that's how I know. I, listen, I am a man with a very specific skill set. <laughs> Football, food, fighting, and f- intimacy. And so oh. because of that, these are the things that I am specialized <laughs> to perform. And because to of perform. that, because of that, uh, I don't really know anything else outside of those things. That's right. Food, this is a PG-13 show. Fornication? Is that what would you say? Yeah, let's, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Okay. We, can, we can do that, right? Why not? We can, yes. Yeah, we're totally going to do that. Okay. As a reminder, as we are all getting seated... That today's show and all the shows are proudly presented by Genesee Brewing Company. Since 1878, Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee Beer, Genesee Light, Cream Ale, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch and Oktoberfest. Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. Nate, how much do I have to Venmo you to get you to ship me some Ruby Red Gulch? Like how much? How much would that cost? We could talk about it. I'll. Uh, I still owe you some lobster, so we can maybe you do just, owe me uh, lobster. So you know what? I'll just come up and I'll just pick it up at Wegman's while I'm up. That's what I got. Yeah, do. yeah. I think that's a good idea. Plus, we'll uh, we'll have an opportunity to get more buffalo pizza. Because I know how much Miss Nolan appreciates. Oh my gosh! Pizza, so. To this day, she still says Picasso's is the best pizza she ever had. We're going Damn to the good. comments. John, just lighten us up right away. I hate Nate. Fish fry number one. What is he a LOL. Dolphins fan? Say what? Is he a Dolphins fan? Oh, there it is. Fish fry. You know what? Speaking of fish fry, I'm convinced that you actually love fish fry. But what no. it is is you like frying Dolphins fans because every time yes. I turn on the Twitter machine. You are antagonizing some Dolphins fans, like every single time. Andy Anderson says the real Bruce Nolan was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> because John says, Bruce, we need to get you a GoFundMe to get your computer camera that works. You up, bro? Hey, uh, Nate, speaking of which, I got a tweet right before we got on, on air right now that okay. said, when is merch coming? When is merch coming is what they say. We do have we, we do have to get some merch out. I also want to say that, Andy, we're throwing you a uh, a pint glass. Andy, I know you follow me on Twitter, so why don't you do me a favor? 
shoot me a DM with your uh, with your information, and I'll send you a a, a Jenny pint glass. We should also give another one or two of those away this week, Bruce. We really should. Andrew Pagano says, "Geeks with circulators seemed up your alley." Yes, anyone who knows me knows that circulators with sous vide is a, a preferred method of cooking for Bruce. So I'm absolutely there. Liam in the comment section says another entry in the men with great hair podcast. Yeah. Nate Connor. And of course I do have magnificent hair. Me too. You know, it's just, it's, it's so magnificent. I mean, look, look at this curve. Look at the curve on the top of this icon, man. Look yeah, at you. you know your hat is still good. I should have done something with my hair knowing that we did have Connor coming on, who is probably like the king of hair. I mean, I think we should get Connor and Matt Perino and just a hair off. What do you think? I could I could hang. I just I would have to come prepared. You gotta come come pre-quaffed? Pre-quaffed. Pre-quaffed to make it work. Oh, that's terrible. That's that's awful. For those of you watching uh watching on, on live, you see this, but the, for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, Mr. Geary has decided to comb all his hair directly down into his eyes, and it looks like a, a really bad 90s grunge band. And now we're going straight butt cut, just parted that, directly in the middle. It kind of looks like um Kind of looks like a toupee, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. A little bit like this because they got a little bit of the undercut. It's not. It's so it not. does look a little bit like a toupee. As a it's reminder, that Super Chats that are $10 or more get a Genesee pint class. Make sure you're following at Genesee Brewery on Twitter and DM at Nate Gary Sports. Proof of the Super Chat and the Genesee follow with your address, and he will get you out to work on it. Okay, Friday night. Here we are. Nate, let's talk about food. Okay. And one of the things I wanted to talk about this week is food that you're embarrassed to admit that you like. Mm. And here's the reason why I decided to do this. I decided to do this because as the NFL draft comes along, we have had scenarios pop up where the, the hive mind has started to take over, Nate. And general groupthink that is associated with the draft process Mm-hmm. has started to sort of take over. And because of that, now all of a sudden, some of the takes that you thought were completely reasonable two months ago, now you find yourself standing on an island. But you go, you know what? No. I, I, I'm i here. I am ready to say that Isaiah Spiller is RB1 or whatever the take may be. And you say, yeah, yeah I'm all the way in. Let's go ahead and do this. So in that vein, let's go with the food that you're going you're gonna to suck it up and you're going to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm embarrassed to admit that I like this food, but I'm in. Nate, what you got? Yeah, I'll go first. So there, I, I guess I would say that I have a special place in my heart for frozen bean burritos, bean and cheese burritos. And Bruce, when you throw it in the microwave and the ends are like kind of freezer burned and hard, I love it. I I don't know what it is about refried beans that have been frozen for weeks with molten hot cheese. It's the same for me, like hot pockets. Those are the things like for whatever reason, I enjoy items that are either too cold in the middle or completely burn my mouth to a crisp. There's no in between for me. That makes sense. I can go that for me. It's Taco Bell. Everybody talks Mm. about, Taco Bell being something that is really reserved for people in their late teens or early 20s when they're really, really, really drunk 
and they have a designated or people driver. with very strong internal really strong ironclad intestinal fortitude yeah. but i still like taco bell and i am not 19 years old there's a there's a huge spoiler for everybody involved well, i am not 19 sure. years old we don't we don't know that so for sure i could be lying but i never lie so that that's true i, I manipulate words but i never lie <laughs> you do never tell the truth though so you just sit in the middle somewhere it's weird I always tell the truth. I just tell mm. a specific version of it that's very specifically worded. Yeah. But I love Taco Bell. I will say this. I don't, it's not my all-time favorite fast food place by any means, but there is a Taco Bell that I will frequent on occasion. And there are certain moods where I get into it and I think to myself, the only thing that can really get this for me right now is Taco Bell. Like mm. nothing else will do. And I'll go to Taco Bell and I'll order a handful of different things and I'll get home. And I'll eat the Taco Bell and I'll think, all right, I'm good for a minute. I, I don't really need to go back there for a couple of weeks. And then a month later or a month and a half later or two months later, I'll be like, yep, I think I need some Taco Bell again. Mm. It's a very specific craving that I am not ashamed to say that I like. Now, I will say this. I have lived all over the country as this, uh, we talked about this before. Taco You're Bueno. Mobile. Taco I'm very bueno. mobile. Taco Bueno, which is another chain that's particularly regional, is perfectly solid. Del Taco. Del Taco is my favorite regional fast food chain. Del Taco. Reminder, John, Zach, we love you. Thank you so much for the super chat. Thank you for being part of this. I really appreciate it. Make sure that you DM Nate with your address and proof that you're following Genesee Brewery on Twitter, and he will send you out a glass. So those are foods that we've embarrassed to admit that we're like. But it's draft season, Nate, and it's time to do the thing that we do. Hell yeah. We're going to give scouting reports on a draft prospect Sinally. via food. Yes. So I'm going to go first on this one. I love that And it's going to be Isaiah Spiller because Isaiah Spiller has been a conversation a starter this particular week. Stole Isaiah my. Spiller is a protein bar. That's what Isaiah Spiller is. Mm. Why? Isaiah Tiller, Spiller gives you exactly what you need, right? You need six yards, he'll get you seven. You need two yards, he'll get you five. Every single bit of what's blocked and then some. Vision, contact balance, lack of negative plays. He's not going to do something stupid and lose you the ball when it comes to like, oh, I'm going to take a huge negative run because I don't know where I'm going and I'm going to make a mistake. Everything you need to get done, he'll get done. He can make plays in the passing game. He's just boring. For those of you who like people, who are going to break off 70-yard touchdown runs, I have a bad news for you. Isaiah Spiller is not your guy. Ain't now, that. I do think he's faster than he tested because he has been dealing with an injury. So it's very, very important that he is testing through an injury right now. So I don't think he's as poor of an athlete as he tested. But, but, he's boring. But you know what? Some of the best bodies in the world were created that way because they consumed boring food. They consumed bland chicken breast and bean sprouts. They consumed wild salmon, and that's it. They went to Arby's and got the roast beef, but not the bun. I used to work at Arby's. When I was, when I was a kid, you one would. of my first jobs was I worked at Arby's, and we had bodybuilders who would come in, and they would order at the time, right? We, they call it a large now. It was At the time, it was a big Montana. That was a million years ago, right? A big, a big Montana. A big Montana. No bun. 
literally just the roast beef in a plastic tub, and then they would eat it with a fork, right? It's boring. No sauce, no cheese, nothing. But you know what? It's good for you. And sometimes, sometimes high in protein, low in calorie, sometimes you need stuff that's good for you. Now, you're going to have Isaiah Spiller too, but you're going to go a completely different way. No, I'm not. I'm going to go. And, you know, I feel like maybe this is a cop out. I, but I, I did. I had two. They were both running backs. You took my I'm actually happy that you took Isaiah Spiller because I thought this one was a little a little more boring than the Brees Hall one. And this one is going to hit a little bit closer to home for people. Brees Hall is a lot like fresh horseradish. And the reason is. Whatever you're putting horseradish on, for me, the de facto thing that I put horseradish on and I put a lot of it on is a beef on whack. And the beef on whack without horseradish is layered. It has a lot of great things. It is great already on its own, just like the Bills offense, right? The Bills offense is a classic beef on whack sandwich, Um, you know, fresh warm au jus on the sandwich each side of the bun is dipped in the au jus and you could probably eat that entire sandwich without applying any horseradish and you are no worse for the wear but if you add that horseradish it elevates the sandwich into a new level for me anyways because it adds that element it's not it's hard to explain for those that like horseradish for those that have never had it horseradish spicy is not the proper way to describe the feeling that you get from horseradish, right? Bruce, what would you describe horseradish's, uh, the reaction, or is that the right word for it either? Like what is, I would use the phrase tingly to describe horseradish. It's wasabi like, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's got that same wasabi feel to it. So um, as I digress here, uh, what I'm saying is Brees Hall is sort of like the icing on the cake. The, in this case, the horseradish on the beef on weck, not needed, but man, it can take something really good and potentially elevate it to something great. And I think that's kind of where I stand with the uh, the whole Brees Hall, but frankly, the whole running back round one slash round two conversation. I know that sneaks onto this show probably more than it should. Um, but yeah, that that's, that's kind of my thought. And, and by the way, I'm a huge horseradish fan. There's nothing better than freshly grated horseradish root on like oysters or something fresh. But like, I'm a huge horseradish fan. I glob on horseradish. Miller's horseradish, by the way, is the one. Uh, Bruce, if you've never had it, I'll send it to you. It's, it's a Buffalo staple. It's the best horseradish I've ever had. Now, I will say this, and this is going to be blasphemous for me to say, not a huge horseradish guy. Uh, what been. about it? What about it? Is it, do you not like the tingly? Oh, I think it's too strong for me. Oh, okay. uh, when I say too strong, I don't mean like it's unpleasant. It's not unpleasant. It's just that whenever I have something that has horseradish on it, it's just different textured horseradish. Mm. So when I have uh, a beef on whack and I have horseradish on it, I, I don't even really get the beef. I just get the texture of beef mm. that's flavored like horseradish. I, I prefer yeah. a lot of my flavors to kind of coagulate, mix together, be complimentary. Mm. And horseradish is just one of those things. It's a little bit like putting ketchup on a steak. You or know? like cold cheese on a hot sandwich. No, no, no. Complimentary. All the way. All the sure. way complimentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so food simile, 
we're going to get to before we get on Connor. And the food simile that we've chosen for this particular week is the last two weeks before the draft make me feel like. And I am going to go first. Okay. The last two weeks before the draft make me feel like I'm hangry. Mm. And I'll tell you why I'm hangry. Because I know that the food is coming. It is 3.30 in the afternoon. And I know that at 5.30, I'm going to have dinner. But you know what? God help you if you cross me at 3.40 in the afternoon. (laughs) And I'm hungry. And I had my dinner at 5.50 the previous night. Mm -hmm. And I don't eat breakfast. So I had lunch at 11.30. And now, here we are. And it's 3.40. And I'm hungry. And I'm upset. And I'm sick and tired of hearing the same people drone on and on and on and on all day long. And all I want to do is leave work and get to dinner. And at this point, I'm either going to shut it all out. I'm either going to block it all out or I'm going to bite somebody's head off. Those are the only two options. <laughs> I think I know. I think I when know I'm what you're going to do. And the answer is I'm going to block it all off because I, I don't I don't bite people's heads off. That's just not my thing. So I'm I'm extremely polite and very very nice, super gentle, very kind. I would never do anything like that. Nate, the last two weeks before the draft make you feel like what? Make me feel like I should go to the bathroom. Here's why. This is this is I, I, that that's a weird thing to say, right? Nate, what are you talking about? But there's this scheme that I play with myself in my head, right? And what this scheme that I sort of play out in real time at dinner is you're waiting, right? And you're waiting. And it feels like for whatever reason, you've been sitting at the table for 30 minutes, 40 minutes have gone by. You've ordered your food. You know that the table that ordered after you just got your food. You're thinking, okay, there's something going on here. Maybe they messed up the order and they realize that there's, so what do you do? You get up, you go to the bathroom because you want to know why Bruce, when you come back to sit down, food's going to be at the table already waiting for you. And so I think for me, the the last two weeks here, as we Mm. 13 days, that we lead into this NFL draft. All I'm thinking about is when is it time for me to get up and go to the bathroom? So when I sit back down, round one is officially underway. That's good. That's a good Thank one. You. I really like that one. Thank you. You know, we've kind of turned the food metaphor thing into an art on this show. Like a everything bit. is, it is a bit of an literally art. everything is a food metaphor in this show. And we're doing this show for coming up on a year now. And we're, we're still not, we're still going strong on food metaphors, man. We're still going strong. I don't know what to tell you other than the creative juices have really been flowing on the show. It's just, John it, is, it is what it is in the comment section says, God forbid, hangry Bruce. You know, I'm actually a very, very patient person. All things considered. Um, I don't really get, I can't, I literally cannot remember the last time I lost my temper. Like I, I literally can't remember it. It's been years and years. And years. Uh, yeah. I've never, but I've never dealt with you. So I don't think you've ever dealt with me angry before No. I don't, most people have never dealt with me angry before, but I can imagine a world where I was and it would probably be food related. So just so you know, it would be, it would be food related. It would would almost have to be food related, right? I mean, what else is going to tick me off at that level when you don't respond to your trade offers in dynasty? Maybe that's what it is. No. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, there's this thing that I do to Bruce and honestly, he leaves me on red. (laughs) 
I leave Bruce on red on our uh, on our sleeper fantasy dynasty league. He sends me these, and the worst thing is, is Bruce sends me these expiring trades that I have exactly twenty four hours to respond to him, and I'll wait till like one two hours left, then I decline or or I you know I don't accept the the, the terms of the trade. <laughs> and Bruce will text me and say something like, "Hey, like, are we close? Like, hey, I, this here's what I'm thinking. Here's why I'm thinking them," and I'm like. Yeah, I'll get I'll get back to you after work, Bruce. I, and then I got, you never I get back to me. <laughs> he never gets back. Listen, it's the, the Okay, I take back everything I said about being upset because now I'm upset. But it's the art of negotiation, my friend. It is the art of negotiation. Yes, Nate clearly wrote the book on it. But you know what? <laughs> You're wearing your hat backwards, hiding yes, your I hair. Mm-hmm. Our guest is Thank wearing God. his hat backwards, hiding his magnificent hair. I feel like I should quick go buy a camera and turn it on because I'm not wearing a hat backwards. I have magnificent hair, and now no one's going to get a chance to see it. We are wasting an opportunity here, Nate. What's going on? I don't know. We even we even had a guest say that we should change the name of the podcast to Dudes with Really Great Hair with Connor mm. Rogers coming on, and yeah. he's wearing a hat. It's kind of like it's kind of like going to Disney World and all the rides are closed. You know, that's exactly what it is. But without further ado. We are going to bring on our guest for this evening, Connor Rogers, Bleacher Report. Mr. Rogers, how you doing, man? What's up, guys? Yeah, sorry. No hair tonight. Listen, it's shut down right. for the weekend, right? Listen, no, it's, 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 it's holiday weekend. I get it. Holiday weekend. It's Friday night. Uh, it shows closed, but I'm happy to talk to you guys. What's going on? Dude, it's a party all the time. Just disco it balls, is. dancers, the whole thing. You guys That's have just... a Jenny sponsorship. I yes. just found this out. <laughs> yes. Uh, so when I was Absolutely. like really, really broke and and down in New York City as a I was like 23. Obviously, I still live in the area now. Uh, the bar I would go to, the only thing I could ever afford, thank God they had it, was Jenny. So Jenny is the beer of my figuring it out era uh-huh. in New York. So I have fond, fond memories of the $3 Jennies at Blue and Gold Tavern in New York City. Well, now that I know that, we are going to send you a couple of Jenny pine glasses. So we'll- Incredible. Uh, we will, uh, we'll link up after the show to make sure we get that going for you. Bruce, um, where do you want to start with Connor? Because we've got 18 minutes or so, and I want to make sure that we get as much draft-related talk in as possible because Connor- uh, 13 days and 13 days from now, we'll be sitting. I won't be sitting in this spot. I'll be at the station at GR, but I will be sort of fully invested in what's happening on day two and day three of the draft. And I have to imagine that and and anybody that covers the draft for a living, um, I tend to bring them on a podcast or get an opportunity to see them on video just so that I can make sure that you've, you've gotten enough sleep and that you're eating and getting your fluids. Are, are you okay? Have you, have you made it? Are you, can you see the finish line? I really can. I, I'm in better mental health this year than Good. definitely last year. Last year, there was just pure meltdowns. Um, this year, I'm doing well. I, I've kind of have a unique schedule this year where I'm, I'm sleeping in as an adult. I'll sleep till like, eight, I'll sleep till eight every day, which is great because the best time to work is in the middle of the night. When no one is contacting you, there's nothing going on. Mm. Uh, so I feel good this year. I feel, w- I, and it's also the difference that I'm working from home about 90% of the time, I would say. So that's helped me get through a lot more players this year. I feel, I feel great, ready to go. Ask me in like 10 days and the meltdown. So they'll hit again when I'm like, <laughs> holy crap, what player is going to be taken in the fifth round? And I'm 
spreadsheet ripping we're on camera we need a grade and it's like no 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 why did you do this jacksonville jaguars why do you always do this <laughs> well if anyone's gonna do it it's gonna be the jacksonville jaguars yes i feel like we yeah can, we can well, we they can took quincy williams that year in the fourth round that's one i always think of i nobody thought quincy williams quinn's brother uh was getting drafted that year and they took him in the fourth round so there you go every year there's a running joke that uh, i see how many rounds and how many picks it goes before someone gets taken who i don't know and every year it's the patriots every year it's the patriots yeah. in round four taking a long snapper from marshall and i go daggone it you broke the streak again i feel like i'm a kid playing killer instinct in the arcade games that's combo breaker and i'm sitting here going it's always you belichick it's always you and you and Glacius are all anyway I'm, I'm going down the rabbit hole i want to talk a little bit about the jets and i want to talk a little bit about wilson and I want to talk about Zach Wilson because the Jets are going into a very similar situation to a lot of teams where they go, okay, we have our young quarterback. Now it's time to go left or right based on the method in which we are going to support the quarterback. Because every team goes into the second year, unless you're the Chicago Bears, thinking that you need yeah. to you need to support <laughs> your second year quarterback, right? But the method by which you do that varies franchise to franchise. For some franchises, they're going to say, we need to build up this offensive line. For some franchises, they'll say, well, the running game is the quarterback's best friend. For some franchises, they'll say, we don't want him to get in shootouts. Let's build up that defense. For some franchises, it'll be, let's get him weapons. First off, where are the Jets fans right now in regards to how best to support Zach Wilson? And where do you think the franchise is when it comes to how best to support Zach Wilson? I mean, that's an amazing way to frame the question because I think they are aligned in certain ways and very different in other ways. I think the fans are all in on weapons. And to be fair, they've got like the appetizer, right? Or at least the meal shown to them when the team went all in on Tyree Kill, the team made calls about Calvin Ridley before everything blew up there and, and credit to the Falcons for being honest with the teams involved that that couldn't go down. Um, you know, there was a little light, you know, stuff about Amari Cooper, but once the contract couldn't be renegotiated, they, they were out on that. But I think the Tyree kill one was like, okay, not only were you willing to trade assets for an elite receiver, you were willing to pay him the desired $25 million a year that he wanted. And now Jets fans are like, okay, we know that they want a weapon for Zach Wilson. They're not just content with Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. They signed two starting tight ends. They they've made additions, but they don't have that guy, right? Like, I mean, the Bills went through this, right? The Bills didn't have that guy. And when they got Stephon Diggs, everybody knew he was the dude. And I think he somehow exceeded expectations. But the point stands that you get that number one guy that you could almost build the offense around with and without targets, with and without the football. Everybody's allocating so much attention to him that it opens the door for other things. And when they don't, he could take over a game. Now, the question is, right, they're not going to take that guy at four because that guy doesn't exist in this class. This is a good wide receiver class. It's, there's no Jamar Chase. I don't think there's a Jalen Waddle. Um, there's not that kind of player. Now, I think these guys can be really good players, a handful of them like Jamison Williams or Drake London or even Traylon Burks and, and even Garrett Wilson. They can be number ones one day, but they're not going to be taken at number pick number four and expected to be that from week one. Number 10 is a different story. They're taking a wide receiver at 10. I would be floored if they didn't. I think it's that simple if they can't trade for one. And as we are two weeks away from the draft, they have not been able to trade for one. So that is where the fans and the team definitely see eye to eye. And they just haven't been able to cross the finish line on that. Where they don't is that I think 
fans are not prepared for, no matter how many times I try to brace them for impact, is they don't think this offensive line's done. And there's a couple mm. different problems there. One, Mekhi Becton did not play last year. And forget the fact that he was rolled up on and then missed the entire season, and it's been a long road of recovery. The coaching staff was not happy with him over the summer. That's the bigger red flag. And th- I don't need inside info to tell you this, although I do know they are not happy with him still to this day. They said it in press conferences last summer. Carl Lawson was beating him so bad in practice that they had to basically tell Carl to just stop so they could function the offense. That's how bad things were. So when you look at it like that, if if Iquanu is sitting there at number four staring them in the face and they fall in love with the player, do you pass on a guy that's viewed as one of the best offensive line prospects we've seen the last five years because you might have something in Makai Becton? That can be a Joe Douglas versus the coaching staff war mm. that the fans don't want to entertain. Fans hate that pick, but I, it's one thing that I, I don't agree with them on for the most part. So it's a little bit of everything, guys. They, you know, obviously they're going to take a pass rusher early if you had to make the most likely pick at four, whether that's Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson, whoever that may be. Uh, so they're looking to do a little bit of everything rather than zeroing in on one thing, but they know they need that top flight weapon. You know, I think this will be relevant for Bills fans with the situation that <clears throat> I, I, I'm not sure what it's going, what the play out here looks like, but there's a contract situation right now happening with the Bills and Jordan Poyer, right? The safety position at large in the league, I think Very has public. become, yes, indeed. And it's become the position itself, Connor, has become more and more important with how teams want to defend. Now teams are putting two of them on the field pretty regularly. Um, and both of them sort of have to be de facto half field, um, you know, yeah. third field safeties. And the bills do have two guys that can interchangeably play both positions. Um, but if the Jordan Poyer situation plays out where they have to trade him, um, I, I think the guy that I've maybe been zeroed in on since the beginning of the college football season has been Kyle Hamilton, um, who I think you can ask a lot of people that cover the draft that, that study the draft. You'll find a number of people that have him as this draft's best overall player. Now the testing numbers hurt him in any aspiration to be a top five pick at the safety position. The, the, there's no denying the talent that you see on the film, but if the talent on film and the speed on film doesn't match the testing numbers on two separate occasions, that's just going to have him slot down probably just outside the top 10. Where are you on the jets taking uh, and looking at Kyle Hamilton as a potential move for this team at 10? And where do you see him fitting in at like that? That's a name to me that if they can't figure out the Jordan Poyer situation, I think the Bills will be interested in potentially moving up to go get a guy like Kyle Hamilton. Ironically, I'm more excited to talk about the Bills part in this than the Jets. Mm. And I think with the Jets, I don't think they're going to take a safety at 4 or 10. Now, I've talked to people in the league that that say he won't be there at 10. And then I've also talked to people that think he's going to be the pick at 11 for Washington because he Mm -hmm. will fall because of that playtime speed. And I know Washington, uh, they like him a lot. So... I guess that would be the floor for Kyle Hamilton in this draft, right? 11, which is a pretty dang good floor to have if you're a prospect in any draft. Listen, he's a good player. He's my eighth overall player. He can do so many things for you, whether it's the range and zone coverage. He's a hard hitter. He got much better at run defense this year in terms of coming to balance. He's got gazelle strides, those insane strides to get to the ball carrier. He's got the rare length to make plays. He reminds me a lot of Jeremy Chin, who's been a nice player for Carolina. Um, at the end of the day, though, he's not a, a unicorn is not 
what I would call him because I don't fully trust him yet in man coverage as an eraser, right? A lot of people like to look at unicorn players and think they can wipe something out that's rare. And I wouldn't ask Kyle Hamilton to line up one-on-one in the slot with Kyle Pitts and think that that's going to be your answer. I think he's a little tight in man coverage. I think he struggles opening up his hips and running down the field, running the deep post. And he's a young player. Those things can get better over time. But when you're built like that, you know, I, I look at it like this, guys, how many corners are six foot four plus? There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And they're very scheme specific. So he's a great player. Um, I think he had a weird spell where he was overrated before the combine. And now he's underrated after it because of that testing situation. So and now you look at the bills. I'll say this about the bills. You know, I look at it and obviously as an outsider, I, I would not pay Jordan Poyer. He's been a really, really nice player. He's 30 years old. Uh, and I'll tell you why. 25 is a six spot in this draft to get a safety where you don't Mm -hmm. have to, if you go up and get Kyle Hamilton, great, because they don't have a lot of needs. I've actually really liked the bills as a trade up candidate for a long time. Even going back to when I I think Traylon Burks is a perfect player for them. They don't need him. It's just that cherry on top where uh, try to score with us. I dare you. We have literally everything now, now that you do look at a, I guess a need I wasn't expecting back when I was doing mock drafts starting in November if you do, if you look at safety as a need, you could go up and get Kyle Hamilton. Sure, you could do it. You have the capital to do so. You don't have a ton of needs where you need those picks, in my opinion. Now, at 25, you sit there. Man, I think the gap from Hamilton to that next tier of safeties is not what the general public is making it out to be. I think Daxton Hill is a first-round player. I think Lewis Seen is a first-round player. I think Jaquan Brisker is a starter at the next level in round two. Same for Jalen Petrie as well. I just, man, I look at this draft class and go, if you need a safety and you got a pick in the top 50, you can address it. And it's, it's not going to, there's not really that much concern on tape. It's just what kind of guy you want. So, you know, why I like Daxton Hill the best for the bills at 25 is he played slot corner. He could play too high. He's got ball skills. He's got single high ability. He, you know, my first line in the scouting report for him was ultimate chess piece, ultimate coverage chess piece for a defensive coordinator. And when I look at the Bills secondary, that's a guy you can move around. Say, hey, we're a little short at corner this week. He can go play corner for you. If we're short at safety this week, he can go play safety for you. So I, it's a tough decision. It's a decision that lacks emotion. I would not pay Poyer, and I would would be very comfortable taking my safety of the future at 25. I want to ask a little bit about Drake London because you talked about him as kind of a passing target for the Jets at 10, and I know that there's some discussion about stylistically – what type of receiver the Jets would like at 10, whether that be a bigger body in Drake London or whether that be a burner like Jameson Williams. And I know that they're really happy with Elijah Moore there. I'm really happy with Elijah Moore there. I was a huge Elijah Moore fan coming out in the draft last year. I was not pleased when the Jets took him. But I want to ask a little bit about Drake London. I want to draw a strange parallel here. And it's between Drake London and Kenny Pickett. Now, I know you might be thinking right off the top of your head, okay, those two players really don't have anything in common. How do we get here? (laughs) I will tell you how we get here because I'm going to draw this weird constellation mark here to make this question work. And at the beginning of the draft process, one of the narratives was Kenny Pickett and hand size. And because he decided not to get his hands measured early on in the process, the question just sort of lingered. And we were all sitting there going, dude, just just get your hand measured. Let's just rip the bandaid off earlier. And not have to deal with this. We all kind of thought maybe from a public relations standpoint, it was probably a bad idea for him to not just go ahead and get it measured earlier, deal with that stuff earlier before the draft, rather than still be dealing with it all the way up to the combine and maybe your pro day and things like that. Well, Drake London didn't run and he didn't run at his pro day. And so 
I haven't seen a similar sort of discussion about Drake London, who's capable of, of doing the 40 yard dash, but he decided not to. And when you look at Drake London's tape, you wonder, Hey, how fast is this guy? I know he can separate. Yeah. He's a smooth route runner for someone who's six foot four. A lot of six foot four people don't move like that from a separation standpoint, but the straight line speed has been a concern, but we don't say the same things about Drake London electing not to run and making that narrative sort of play out the same way we did about Kenny Pickett and not measuring his hand size. So I want to ask you, first off, are those two things suitable? And do you think it would have been a better idea for a player or players like Drake London to just go ahead, get it out of the way as early as humanly possible, deal with it, whatever fallout that's going to be, and then by the time the draft rolls around, it's over? It's, it's a really good parallel. And here's why it's so difficult to dis to dissect for the general public or even the general media. The thing is, Kenny Pickett, as a quarterback prospect, he had to get his hands measured, and it was just a matter of time, and that countdown was the NFL Combine. Drake London did not have to run the 40 because there are multiple teams in the top 15 that are comfortable taking him without that, and him and his agent definitely know that. And I'll say this for Drake London. That injury was pretty significant at the time. It set him back for working out. It set him back where he had to do drills today, which is insane. This is so late in the process that I will give him the benefit of the doubt, and I don't like usually doing this, that he didn't have the typical time to train for the 40 that a lot of these guys had. Then he saw the indie fast track happen and go, well, <laughs> some of the pro day times are slower than the indie fast track. So now I might not even be judged on the same plane by them. I, I agree. Probably should have just ran it. It was a concern for me for a long time until literally one of the best scouts I know uh, said, do not be concerned about this. It's, it's right in the four fives. And I'm like, all right, this is somebody that I, I would, most people I would not trust that to. This is someone that would know, would have a handle on this um, high four fives. You're looking at a, you know, a Cortland Sutton-ish kind of four, five, six range. That's enough. It doesn't matter. It's enough. So I think it's part of the process that they know they're going at either at eight to Atlanta, 10 to the Jets, 11 to Washington. What's what good is this going to do? What if I do have a bad start? What if I, I didn't have enough time to train my technique? And I think I'm really a four five five guy on film, but I run a four six seven. It, a bad start mm. is that kind of difference. So the honest answer that kind of sucks is he didn't have to. He didn't have to. And when draft night starts, everybody will see that he didn't have to. He's not going to fall outside the top 15. Uh, he very well could be the first wide receiver taken. Where Kenny Pickett, you're holding a football. And guys are going to want to see that grip strength. I was out there in the monsoon at the Senior Bowl watching him throw. Uh, it was not good at all. It was mm. a legitimate. And it doesn't rain every Sunday in the NFL. So I'm not sitting there and saying Kenny Pickett can't play. I think he's probably the best quarterback in this draft right now. He doesn't have the most upside, but he's the best quarterback in this draft right now. But it's a legitimate concern. And you just, it's something that, you know, guys do have the option to run the 40, especially hurt guys. Quarterbacks, they have to get their hands measured. Fair or not. Yeah. Uh, it's the conversation around hand size is it's not an issue until it's as small as Kenny Pickett's hands were. Um, I digress. I, I want to ask you two final things before I let you go. Connor, uh, I want to follow up on the Drake London conversation and ask you whether or not you're sitting at 10 and a receiver has yet to leave the board. You have the choice of any of these top receivers in the draft. I think that's probably a pipe dream. I think one receiver is yeah. likely off the board before the Jets pick at 10, but let's just for the sake of this conversation and hypothetical, 
that they've got the, the, the choice of the litter. Who's the best fit? And, you know, who do you think maybe moves the needle the most for this offense next year? And my second question is I do kind of want to follow up with you and get your overall thoughts on the Jordan Poyer situation and in terms of coming to a conclusion with the Bills and talking about a potential trade-up. And I know you, you're, you're kind of of the mind that you like them as a candidate to do that and use some of those later picks and potentially package. What do you believe Jordan Poyer's trade value mm. in terms of being at, 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 at maybe a draft day trade used to trade up like how much value across the league does a 31 year old safety who is coming off his first all pro selection by the way last year I think still probably in the prime of his career like what kind of team is taking that on that the bills would be able to trade up with so the draft trades are so tough because the physicals you know you're trading a player that can't pass a physical in time for an asset that needs to be used right then and there that's why we don't see these happen so that would be really difficult to execute but if you're the bills are you comfortable trading Jordan Poyer for a 2023 pick when you want to win football game, not football games, right. football championships right now? So mm-hmm. that's why the timing of this is, is honestly brutal. The team, yep. a lot of teams don't have money wherever he goes. You got to pay him. Uh, a lot of teams don't have draft capital in a sense anymore that are, are competitive. So the timing of it is just way off. It's, it's a bit of a mess where can you find a bandaid deal with Jordan Poyer and kick this can down the road? Maybe you juice up some of the money front loaded right now that makes him happy, but he's going to get to hit the market one more time. Why safe certain safeties age really well, by the way, sure. it's, you know, he's not a, a 30 year old where you're like, ah, cool. One more good year left. He's got a couple of more good years left in the tank where can they find this bridge deal and then give him what he wants. And that's to hit the market. And maybe by then the bills can play the comp pick formula uh, big time because of the money he would get. So, I would say a draft trade of Jordan Poyer is very unlikely because of that physical aspect, which is which makes it really tough. Uh, if I had to value him, I would say there is got to be a team out there, you know, maybe willing to give up a, a second rounder or a, th- a conditional third that can become a two if he does hit those accolades again in the next year. He's just that good of a player. The problem is, once again, guys, just the draft capital the teams have already used to acquire assets. And yeah. when you look at the Jets wide receiver situation, it's the most brutal question because. My best, my top ranked wide receiver in the draft is Garrett Wilson. Yet I don't think he's the most impactful for the Jets. I, I think they need a guy like Drake London. They were their contested catches leader last year was Corey Davis with five or six. That's abysmal. It's bottom of the basement. They got nobody that can go up and win the football for a quarterback that likes plays to break down and guys to work back and box out defensive backs and make a play for the football. So I look at Drake London in that aspect. I would have no problem taking Jamison Williams, but the problem is. They know if they start out one and five, two and eight, whatever it may be, they start out in the tank yet again, it's going to get hot. It's going to get hot on Joe Douglas. It's even going to get hot on Robert Sala, whether that's fair or not. Jamison Williams isn't playing probably till October at best. So I don't think that's a pick they make. I don't think it's a pick they're comfortable making as much as I don't do this in the, hey, I could be fired in two months. I do this in who's going to be the best player in three years. Jamison Williams could very well be the best player. I think he's Steelers Mike Wallace. That's what he is to me, a guy that, is so good winning vertically. Even when you play 10 yards off him, he still beats you down the field and makes a play on the football, and it opens up your entire run game. So I think at the end of the day, there I think they're zeroing in on Drake London at 10. Uh, I wouldn't rule out Garrett Wilson entirely because he's such a good player. But after that, it, it seems like, you know, kind of obvious for the Jets in that situation at 10. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Food for Thought, brought to you by Genesee Brewing Company. 
along with Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report. Connor, thanks so much for taking time out of your thanks, Friday boss. evening and spending it with us, man. I really appreciate that. Oh, it was a blast, guys. Listen, have a good weekend. Um, if I don't talk to you guys before, good luck with the, the Bills draft this year. Nate, I know I'll talk to you, of Indeed course, you real will. soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, brother. Appreciate good one, you. Connor. That was Connor Rogers from Bleach Report. You can find him on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. He is the lead draft analyst for Bleach Report. He is also a host of the NFL Stock Exchange show on Pro Football Focus. And as a reminder, Connor came to us on the Genesee Brewing Company hotline, like all of our guests do. And that call to the Genesee hotline was brought to you by, you guessed it, the Genesee Brewing Company. Look for you know, Ruby Red Kolsch in stores and at bars and restaurants today. Genesee beer brewed for generations. Connor's always a great guest, man. Listen, I, I have him on my show all the time. I've known Connor for a couple of years. Uh, he's connected. He's smart. He's articulate. He puts in the time. He puts in the work. Um, he knows his stuff. And that's why I was, I was really interested to sort of kind of get his final sort of thought on the Jordan Poirier situation. And, and I think that's something, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I do think there's, a, there's, there's a real sense that a, with the, how the collective bargaining agreement was agreed upon by the players, Jordan Poirier doesn't have the leverage necessarily. Like he's not going to sit out. I mean, it's going to cost too much money. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to cost uh, way too much money. Holdouts are not really a thing anymore. No, the no, they're not. No, they're not. And it does not behoove him. It, and listen, I, I think Connor is spot on when he says like the timing of this couldn't be any worse, right? Because you do you you didn't even really get to have a day to enjoy the fact that they locked up Stefan Diggs, something that had been widely talked about and 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 what that number would look like and you know how that would stack up to the other elite wide receivers in the league. And not only does Stefan Diggs end up getting paid like one of the top three receivers in football. In a way, it was done that it gives the Bills the necessary flexibility to kick that can down the road, to create flexibility throughout the life cycle of that contract. And again, you know, I think this era of Bills football, being able to pay elite players and retain the guys that you're drafting while remaining competitive in the Super Bowl window, is done in, in large part to the creativity and the understanding and the navigation of the current salary cap system and how it affects contracts when you have a owner that is willing to put money in the hands of the general manager to say, you know, we can convert money into signing bonuses. That costs money to the owner. Now, it, it creates the cap room that's necessary, but that is not something that's cheap to do. That That is fronting money, Bruce, right? So I, I think it's the one thing that, you know, right now you have Terry Pagula, who I do think wants to win a Super Bowl and is willing to do what it's necessary, especially with and we've had Tim Graham on the show before, Bruce. We know the optics, the PR behind wanting to make sure that as the city and as this fan base brace for paying close to a billion dollars to finance a new stadium, that the owner is putting the necessary resources and money into a roster that is so close. And, and, and I wonder, you know, what, how that exact mindset, how the creativity and the understanding and being able to navigate will play into the future of Jordan Poyer. But like I, as much as I'm, I guess, concerned about it, I'm not concerned because simply put Bruce there, there he's going to play this year, just like Kyler Murray's going to play this year. They may not like it, they may want to make more money than they're making and have more long-term flexibility. 
But to your point, Bruce, in today's NFL, holdouts aren't aren't a thing anymore. They're not. But I'll tell you what is a thing is making sure you have a cup of coffee after dinner. Yes, it's true. Having your digestive or and making sure you talk about winners and losers. A good liqueur. If you find a good digestive, mm. uh, you know, uh, uh, like there's some there's some ones that are a little too menthol-y for me, but there are some really good. I like a good orange um, digestive, something after dinner, after I've gorged myself with beef and mm. starch, a good orange flavored liqueur to settle the stomach before I head home for the evening. That is uh that that isn't too bad either, but I do agree a good cup of coffee, French press after a meal, although can keep me up a little bit later than I want to, I think is important uh, after a, a a meal that you probably have overdone it. And everybody knows that feeling you get mm. when you have slightly overdone it. I am not a coffee guy, so I don't have coffee after my mm. meal. However, I don't know if you saw this on uh, social media, but I did, however, try something very new today. And that is, I got home from work, I kicked off my shoes, I changed into my polar bear pajama pants because that's what I do. And I poured myself, I poured myself a glass of screwball peanut butter whiskey mixed with grape juice. Mm -hmm. And I made a PB&J cocktail, essentially. How did it? It was okay. I'm not going to lie. It's sweet, obviously. It's not Mm -hmm. something you can consume a lot of. It's a sipping. It's a sipping thing. It's a very dessert sort of drink right it's not something you're going to start drinking at three o'clock in the afternoon because you want to make sure you're feeling really good by the time the game comes on at seven o'clock that's not what you're going to do by any means that's not the way that it works but as far as a sipping goes i'm down with it but i'll tell you what i'm down with as far as losers in the nfl this week it's baker mayfield i mean hat Hasn't this been a while though? He's been losing. It feels like quite a bit on the show. And and I knew that it, I knew it was going to come up again. I knew yeah. it was going to come up Had again. To. But multiple quarterbacks have been in the position that Baker Mayfield has been in. None of them went on a podcast and decided to broadcast it while their team is in the middle of trying to trade them. I think mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield subconsciously might want to get cut, and there's no cap savings to be had and if you're the type of team that is going to draft baker mayfield deal with him for a couple years and then bring on deshaun watson and sit on baker mayfield the browns are petty enough to make this just sit on him they're absolutely petty enough to just sit on baker mayfield because they have no financial benefit to cutting him so they say you know what fine we are not going to be held hostage. We're not going to be forced into cutting you so we can get no trade compensation for you. We'll just sit on you if we have to. Mm-hmm. And then you can pull a Le'Veon Bell and sit around if you want, but you can't hold out. We've already established that because one of the things that you've noticed from the Browns front office is they are horribly analytically inclined. The human side of things has a tendency to get lost a little bit so far on the Browns front office. And so they might just be petty enough to sit on him. I think you I don't think you're succeeding the way you think you are, Baker Mayfield. And I don't know why you would draw unnecessary attention to yourself. The best thing you can do to grease the wheels on a trade and to get a reasonable shot to play is to shut up. That's the mm. best thing you could possibly do. Right. And I don't think that Baker wrapped his head around that. And so for me, Baker is a huge loser this week, and he's the loser this week because he doesn't understand the dynamics at play that come along with the fact that your opportunities to be a starting quarterback in this league are dwindling by the second, 
and they're probably going to get even lower in two weeks. So just don't screw it up. Mm. And then you got to do it. My biggest losers this week are the fans of the Arizona Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. Um, Kyler Murray doesn't win because first and foremost, if I was his representative, I would not be interested in talking about a contract until I see what Lamar Jackson signs for. I want whatever Lamar Jackson's making and then a little bit more. So for me, I think you, you came to the table too eagerly. And I think that's not the look. I, and we talked about this the other day when I was filling in for Mike show up on the afternoon show that nobody's heard anything. This isn't a report, but if you're Kyler Murray, why did you pick football? Well, you were the number one pick, but you were basically going to walk into Major League Baseball and be in a, an impact player right away in Major League Baseball, right? The reason he picked the NFL is the NFL is the quickest route to get paid. Major League Baseball, you got to bide your time. You've got five, six years before you hit that $200 million contract. In the NFL, quarterbacks, the elite ones, they're getting paid after year three. Um, so I think for the NFL, right then and there, Kyler Murray – goes into this year with his agent offering a contract or a baseline of terms that they're looking for, for the Cardinals to say, yeah, we're not going to even acknowledge that. And then have the agent say they pulled that deal off the board and then have this the other day to top hell zero, have your agent leak out that you're not going to play under the current contract. You are everyone's losing there. The fans of the Cardinals are losing. The Cardinals themselves are losing. The Cardinals don't know, it sounds like, where could be in the potential, Bruce, for another Baker Mayfield situation. Uh, a, a pissing contest, a staring contest at a franchise that has melted down in the second half of the last two seasons, that has not really been able to get out of its own way. And now they've done it in a certain way where I think they have not really figured out what they have in uh in Kyler Murray and leaking to the media after the playoff game that he didn't want to go back in the game that he asked to not go back in it's a mess Bruce it's a mess get your brooms Arizona Cardinals fans because it's a mess clean up aisle three yeah or aisle one I guess with Kyler someone Murray. someone spilled uh, a whole bunch of glass cases of capers Stanks nice stanks up That's there. A, i'm not a capers guy are you a caper Either, guy no no my girlfriend actually she she got a little can of them and ha, and will throw them on things periodically not a capers fan me neither the thing i think is interesting about the arizona scenario is that both of the teams we mentioned the browns and the cardinals can you think of two franchises that have gone from high highs to low lows over the last 12 to 16 months more than the Browns and the Cardinals. I mean, the Browns coming into no. 2021 were as high as they possibly could be. They're like, listen, we went toe to toe with the Kansas city chiefs. This is the year let's go. And then the Cardinals were at one point, the last undefeated team in the league before completely collapsing and then losing the first round of the playoffs, high highs to low lows. And that just goes to show you how fast things can change in the NFL, how fast fortunes can change and why, you just enjoy it while you're here. You enjoy it while the ride lasts because there's a level of randomness that associated with this. There's a human element associated with football and it can all be over. Your window is not nearly as big as you think it is. Your job is to try to maintain that window as long as you can. You know, you look at teams that have been 
consistently good for a long time. The Patriots dynasties, the Steelers for a long time, the Ravens for a long time, the Chiefs recently, they managed to sustain success. And even if you don't get a Super Bowl out of it, sustaining success is really, really, really hard. And if you have a franchise interest to do it, good on you. Because we've seen plenty of information that shows us that there are such things as flash in the pan franchises. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people thought the Bills were that. But guess what? They're not. They ain't. Nate, we did it, dude. I didn't get to say my winner. We did all the... Oh, you didn't do winners? I didn't do winners. We we just just do losers. losers. Are are we a show of... uh, All we talk about now is losers? We don't even talk about... We're a show about losers. We're a show about losers. Oh, man. You know what? The negativity beaming from you, Bruce. I am just... You know what it is? It's you got me all off about your the dynasty fantasy football trade and you got me all swirling about how he always leaves me on red and it just got me in a negative headspace and then i was thinking yeah. about how great his hair is and how i didn't get a chance to see it because he was wearing a hat but you are thrown off you are you are thrown off a little bit listen i had a good trade this week bruce uh me and mathis um i traded nick chubb and a second round pick uh in this year's dynasty draft for uh for elijah mitchell and uh and and antonio gibson so i got two starters uh starting running backs at 23 years old uh and flipped and i really needed a, a third running back so now I, I feel pretty good about my three running backs zeke uh mitchell and uh and gibson and now you know i still got my first round pick this year so we'll see what happens i'm i'm, I'm excited so i'll uh listen this night's still young and i know you're really trying to trade robbie anderson and uh after robbie anderson talks some trash, i already did Instagram, you missed it talk some trash i already um, did it's over Hold on, though. Tom said, and I already already made that happen. Oh, did that happen? Yeah, you missed it. Oh, that's right. He, you got. I got Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I made it happen. I traded down in the first round. Anyway, yeah, we. we, This is this is bad content. This is bad content for the people. Yeah, seriously. Why don't why don't instead of us doing this podcast uh, live every Friday night, we just FaceTime each other and blur your face out and just ha- people have to listen to our conversations about what we go through, uh, like really the trials and tribulations that we go through uh, talking about fantasy football. But biggest winner, listen, biggest winners. Biggest Let's winner. go. It has to be Derek Carr, right? I mean, Derek mm. Carr gets paid. He's the fourth highest paid quarterback in football now or he's in the top five, whatever he is. And he on the other end of Kyler Murray, but in the same conversation, Bruce, to say the jury's still out on Derek Carr, I think is probably the wrong way of putting it. He's better than Kirk Cousins marginally, and he's not, but he's probably not Matt Stafford, right? He's not Matt Stafford, but better than Kirk Cousins. He's sort of in the middle of that area, right? And he's now has one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in football, to go along with one of the best tight ends in football and one of the best slot receivers in football. So that offense is going to be loaded this year for Derek Carr to maybe take the next step into actually earning a hundred or $200 million or whatever he ended up getting. At the end of the day, he's the product of quarterbacks that are at least considered a franchise quarterback. And I think that interpretation is becoming looser and looser, Bruce. But if you're a top 10 player at the quarterback position in the league, you're probably going to make about $40 million over the next couple of seasons. So um, good for Derek Carr. He's right place, right time. Um, That franchise was going in the wrong direction. I think it was a, I think they got lucky that John Gruden got yanked when he did and that they, that they got away from Mayock. I think they've got some competency in that organization. Um, I really like the idea of what McDaniel's going to do with that run game and, and Josh Jacobs. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, good for Derek Carr. I, I think he and the Raiders are both winners in this. So I had Derek Carr as my winner, but I'm going to pivot at the last minute. Love it. And I'm going to go because, you know, we got to adjust. That's the way it works. Live shows. You got to think on your feet. After talking to Connor Rogers and having our discussion, my winner of the week is going to go Drake London. And the reason my winner of the week is going to go Drake London is because he finds himself in a situation where he doesn't have to run the 40. And I was thinking about another scenario where you had a receiver who was a really good route runner who really didn't need to run the 40 to be a top 10 pick. Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree, everybody knew coming out of Texas Tech that Michael Crabtree was going to be a top 10 pick. Nobody really cared if you ran a 4-4 or a 4-5-9. Everyone was like, yeah, no, he, we're, we're fine. We're going to take him to the top 10. You don't even have to. And because of that, Michael Crabtree went on to have a perfectly reasonable career in the NFL. And I think that Drake London is afforded that same opportunity because a lot of people who are fighting to try and get every million that they possibly can are forced to run when they don't want to run. We yeah. talked earlier this offseason, earlier this, this show even, about Isaiah Spiller and how the fact that he was injured and ran. Guess who else was injured and ran? Zach Moss. Zach Moss was injured and ran and had to deal with the fact that he's like, hey, I, you know, my, my testing scores aren't quite as good as I wanted also, to be because I was, I was hurt. Also turns out he's not that good. And plenty of people had scenarios like that happen where they they slipped and they had to kind of fight that narrative that maybe they're not athletic because they were dealing with an injury when they did their athletic testing. So Pete says, speaking of the Raiders, Crabtree wasn't the first wide receiver taken that year. Yes, you are correct. There was a blistering, blistering wide receiver taken by Al Davis that year. Do you remember who it was, Nate? Because I Darius remember who it was. Hayward Bay. Arius Hayward Bay. Uh -huh. Well done. Well done. Uh -huh. So my biggest winner this week is going to be Drake London because I pivoted at the last mm. minute. Love that. Okay. So Appreciate did I that. check all my boxes? Are we good now? You did. No, you we we did everything and I held you accountable just the way that there's just the way that the show should go. As well you should mm -hmm. be accountable. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? The people demand. The people deserve the content. It's a That's moral right. responsibility. We do noble That's work right. here, Nate. We do the Lord's work. work. Yeah. The Lord's work, even. We it's, get on here. It's Good Friday, for it's, gosh sake. It, it absolutely is. Said gosh. It is, absolutely. And thank you for saying gosh, as we hey. established earlier. This is, this is, the Bruce show. Exclusive is a PG show. This is like a PG-13 show. This is PG-13. It's Friday night. You know, it's like, sure. it's kind of like when you're, when you were a kid and you used to sneak into the, into the family room that was in the basement in my home, you know, at night, toss on, you know, Comedy Central so that you could get a couple of peeps of every other commercial break when they had the one minute and 30 second infomercial for girls gone wild. That's kind of like what this is. If you think about it, that's a very, very specific metaphor. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure you, you have no, no relation at all to that. I didn't do that at all because I'm a good God fearing boy, but apparently you did Nate. I would never do anything like that. I don't know what you're talking uh, about, but we did it, man. We did, we did the it. thing. Well, congratulations. And also, shout out again to Connor Rogers. Great Indeed. guest. And this was good. We did a good show. I enjoyed this show. This was a fun show. Thank you to everybody in the comments section. I really appreciate your engagement. I appreciate I see all these comments roll by, and I'm like, holy crap, they're spending their Friday evenings with us. That's absolutely amazing. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you thought well of the guest. And we hope you didn't leave hungry. <laughs>